Welcome to ACC Nation. That's Will Ogenen. I'm Jim Quist. Let's jump right into ACC Sports News. Ten ACC cross-country teams qualified for the NCAA championships. Notre Dame men and women, Syracuse men and women, Florida State men and women, Wake Forest and UNC men, NC State and UNC women, and NC State's J.P. Flavin earned a spot as an individual competitor. NCAA field hockey quarterfinals, Syracuse is the sole ACC team left. The Orange meet Maryland. ACC women's soccer, nine teams qualifying for the NCAA championship. Clemson, UVA, Duke, FSU, Virginia Tech, North Carolina, Notre Dame, Wake Forest. You got it. <laughs> and NC State. <clears throat> yeah. <laughs> the uh, ACC men's soccer championship has Notre Dame facing off with Duke. NCAA Volleyball Power 10, number one, Louisville. Number three, Pitt. In bracket predictions, Louisville is one of the top picks, obviously, number one seed. Uh, Pitt is number four, which means they also get a number one seed. Georgia Tech is a number seven seed. Also, Miami, Florida State, and North Carolina have been invited. And the latest USCHO ice hockey rankings, men, 15, Notre Dame, number 16, Boston College. And for the women, it's Boston College at number seven. Well, we've got less than a week under our belt, Will, when it comes to ACC men's and women's basketball. <laughs> Any observations or thoughts on what you've seen in its limited form so far? Well, let me start on the women's side because they've had some pretty two two real big highlight games this week, um, starting on opening night with uh, South Carolina playing Louisville. And that, and that was or that was NC State, NC wasn't State. it? Yeah. Okay. NC South, State. Yeah, NC State. Excuse me. I, I had a, I have the right team, the other team I was going to talk about in a minute, but okay. uh, NC State, South Carolina State, a good competitive ball game. I know uh, South Carolina ended up winning by nine, but you know, that was a game that was pretty competitive throughout, um, you know, impressed for effort from the, from the Wolfpack in that game. thought they uh, say they battled hard for the, for the duration of the game and were right in it on, until the very end. And then, and then Saturday, um, you know, Louisville took on uh, Arizona in a game that went to overtime um, and they fell just a little bit short, but again, you know, the ACC, even though in these losses they're showing, they're going to be, you know, right there again throughout the season, especially with the, the two teams I mentioned. We can't forget the other teams that are ranked. I know Virginia Tech's off to a good start. So is Georgia Tech. Um, over on the men's side, obviously, we got a, a lot of uh, questionable losses to start this season, uh, with, to say the least. Wouldn't you say, Jim? Mm, yeah. <laughs> um even going back to opening night, uh, Georgia Tech lost to Miami of Ohio, gave up nine points in like the final two minutes for the Red Hawks to get the dub. Uh, Pitt just getting, they, were, they weren't even in the game against the Citadel. I, I watched a decent amount of this game and really the Citadel looked like the better team. That's, that's kind of the sad part. And they um, they, yeah, down double, they were down double digits for most of the game. Um, Probably the biggest surprise of that night was Virginia losing at home to Navy. But uh, I think I think the story of that game was it was uh, Virginia's questions, I guess you could say, about the offense were kind of prevalent in this game. I thought I thought really their first two games were statistical outliers, like they're not going to shoot four, 16 from three uh, every game, but they're also not going to shoot 50 percent from three like they did in their win over Radford. So they're still 
we're still trying to figure out their baseline and obviously they have a huge game coming up this Tuesday against Houston down in down at Houston. So that's going to be a big game there. We've seen uh, North Carolina get taken pretty much to the final buzzer against Brown. Um, you know, Brown was waiting for uh, some of that game too, especially into the second half. It was kind of a back and forth game for a while. Um, just, you know, you know, North Carolina, they could show they can shoot. They've, they had a pretty good shooting game on opening night. Um, but yeah, like I say, they, I was surprised they were, uh, that Brown gave them a game. Even, even yesterday kind of went under the radar because of all the football, uh, Campbell gave Duke a pretty good game for a while. And, um, I think you know, Campbell was within a couple and throughout the second half, but Duke finally pulled away at the end, but, uh, Blue Devils look pretty good, especially in that opening night win against uh, Kentucky. Obviously, Paolo Banchero, Bancaro has been as been as advertised. Trevor Kiel's had a monster opening game as well. Um, uh, what else has stood out? Boston College has suddenly looked like world beaters in these first two games. Um, who would have predicted that? that? They've blown both of their opponents out. Um, you know, lot. I mean, still lots to lots to this. You know, decipher as we get into the season, but. Uh, yeah, I'm, I would say all in all, I haven't been super impressed with the way the ACC has come out of the gates as a whole. I, one thing I want to remind everybody, ourselves included, is that when basketball starts, basketball doesn't always start out uh, really, really strong. Um, and if you have teams that have some questions surrounding them, um what you'll see probably for the first month is that team working out the kinks and finding the combinations and you never know, you know, a lot of people think that you can find that in practice. You can't, uh, until you actually have competition. Um, you know, then you start to see it. Then you start to see who works best with whom and you go from there. Um, so some of the surprise losses to me, um, disappointing uh but uh i i wasn't overly surprised we've completely forgot about <clears throat> louisville lo- losing an overtime to Furman as yeah, well yeah that i was... forgot about that one as how well but yeah that, that? <laughs> <laughs> i was watching the game the other night and well how did i forget about that but yeah that was a another head scratching loss <laughs> yeah well, here's the thing, too, I also want to throw out. Uh, I, I'm not that familiar with Brown from the standpoint of, you know, regular play. Uh, mm-hmm. Campbell um, and um, Furman, I am. Mm-hmm. Uh, they can they can be actually pretty tough. Um, you know, these are two teams that when it comes down to basketball, all of a sudden, you know, you tend to – I guess it's it's moving over from you know being that football mentality into the the basketball mentality. You tend to forget that just because this may be a a lesser school or a lesser team mm-hmm. doesn't mean that at, you know the old saying on any given Sunday, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, well, that applies to every day of the week, and that applies especially to basketball. Mm-hmm. Uh, the Camels um, are notorious for giving people hard time. Uh, in games and uh, they can sneak right up on you. Uh, Furman, same way. Furman can can do that to you uh, if if you're not paying attention. They're going to take it to you, and yep. they're going to you know they open that door, and boom, there they are. They're uh, uh, like they're like 
fish and family after three days. <laughs> Don't let them in the house. Yeah. Right. <laughs> hey, let me let me go back to a point you made earlier, which I want to uh, completely. I'm 100 percent in agreement with you. We were talking about, and this is really true this year because there are so many new pieces with these teams that. You, it's going to be hard. It's going to take a little while for coaches to figure things out and trying all these different lineup combinations, um, seeing what works, what doesn't work together. I think that's going to be especially true here early in the season. Yeah. You know, the one thing we talk about this year after year after year, and I, I think that, that fans, because, you know, it's, it's a constant churning. It's like with life in general, you, you get every year you add a, a, a several people to your fan base, several thousand sometimes. Um, and it, it, it churns. And of course, you know, with death, you lose people too, right? So that's the churn. Um, and we tend to forget sometimes that, um, you know, teams uh, in any conference, really, what really makes a difference? What, what really is important? Well, most people will tell you that you know, these games, they don't mean diddly squid until you hit January and start playing conference. Mm -hmm. And then some people will say, well, even that doesn't make any difference because when you have a tournament, that makes a difference. Well, that's not completely true because if you don't have a decent uh, conference schedule going on, you're not going to get an invitation to NCAAs. Mm -hmm. And then, of course, people will say, well, if you get an invitation to the NCAA, that's the only thing that matters. Well, you know, everybody's got their arguments. Um, for me, yeah. I, I'd say November for me is, is almost a toss away month. December is a little different. You start getting into some really intense competition. Um, now that's not totally true because as we saw with Duke, uh, winning their opener against Kentucky, um, I like those sort of games to happen like right now. Uh, mm -hmm. not all of them. I don't want to see mm -hmm. the entire conference do that. I just want to yeah. see like one or two teams do it, uh, and, and rotate it off. It doesn't have to be Duke right. every year, even though I love Duke doing that. Yeah. I would like to see some of these other teams like, step up. Like a couple of years ago when the ACC network first formed and they, and everyone opened their season with a conference game. And I was like, eh, hope they don't continue that going forward. And yeah. fortunately they did it. But let me ask you one more question before we move on, Jim. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, are you ready to stick a fork in Jeff Capel yet? <laughs> no. <laughs> uh, but I'm sure some fans in Pittsburgh are, are probably willing to, to go with something a little bigger than what you offered. So. <laughs> <laughs> it was what I had handy. So. <laughs> I <see. laughs> oh, man. Um, yeah. No, not yet. Uh, for me, Capel gets a uh, uh, another year. So. That's that's me. I'm I'm same way with Jeff Collins down in, at Georgia Tech. I mean, there's a lot of disappointment there, but I give him another year. You know, let's see what he does yeah, next year. I, yeah, I don't think they're going to get rid of him after this year. But yeah, once we look into 2022, his yeah. his he's going to be on the hot. He needs sure. to deliver next year. Uh, Justin Fuente. Uh, well, we'll see, but probably. Yeah. yeah. I mean, there's a guy. Yeah. Same with Cutcliffe. He's yeah. I'm sorry, and I, you know, and I've been saying that for quite a while. That that, and it's for me, it's it's just I, I see a need to 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 take the next step. 
That's all. I, I really like David Cutcliffe as a coach. I really do. Yep. I, I, I have too. nothing against him from from that professional standpoint, but sometimes when you have coaches in certain positions and you know, they like what he has done, he has brought that program up to a certain level. Well, it's like with a house construction, okay? Uh, the guys who are laying all the concrete block and bricks and everything are not the guys that you want to retain to put up your two by fours and your drywall. Uh, and th those are the same guys too, that you don't want to put your electrical in and on and on and on. You see what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. Um, that's, that's my mindset. I, I like David Cutcliffe. I, in fact, I mm -hmm. like all the coaches in the, in the conference. I think, I think they're good coaches. Sometimes they're just not right fits or their time is done. One the so what, so you don't want an Amish person working on your electrical? Um, <laughs> actually, um, Man. Just, <laughs> just knowing a few Amish and, and, and Mennonite, which are Amish light. Um, yeah. Amish light. <laughs> I like it. So, yeah. <laughs> well, I mean, it is true, but <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. I just don't, I don't want the, uh, <clears throat> I don't want the plumber flying the airplane I'm on. Okay. So, <laughs> yeah. yeah I get you. Unless the guy's, you know, a retired pilot. Um, so basketball, it, it started out, um, interesting i mean it's 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 november come on you know we'll we'll see some we'll see some good stuff that nc state uh, south carolina women's basketball game that was uh, an awesome game mm -hmm. we're gonna see a yeah. lot more of that yeah usually that uh, you know usually the first game of the season i i watch is later in the day but when i saw that on tv i'm like all right i gotta watch this because i know yeah. you know two top five teams that was i say that was a great game yeah it sure was uh, enjoyed that. Um, mm -hmm. I like women. I, I, I'm just going to be blunt here for a second. I actually like to watch women's basketball more than I do men. And I think I'm, I'm going to probably take a more vested interest in it this year because the final four is, is right here in my backyard. backyard. That's right. <laughs> so better get those tickets, man. Cause you're going to mm -hmm. have somebody from the ACC out there this year. Couple, yeah. couple teams for sure. Um, all right. Finally, a week where we don't have everybody and their brother trying to get in on the top 25 oopsies action. Cause you know, everybody likes a little oopsies action now and then, but uh, we've had enough. All right. It's limited this week. Thank goodness. Mississippi state over number 17, Auburn final there 43 to 34. I, you know, the sec has been, about as topsy-turvy as the ACC. And funny how nobody's talking about that. America's best football conference has been topsy-turvy. Haven't seen that headline yet, but you just heard it here. <laughs> yeah. Well, it just feels like, the, I guess, the, the, to summarize the SEC in one word, it'd be cannibalistic. They're just eating themselves. <laughs> I, well, Ooh, sounds like a Joe Rogan thing. Uh, <laughs> Wait, hold on. Let me let me get flexible here. Okay. <laughs> oh, man. Uh, but I uh, know the point I'm making bleach, is they bleach. bleach. <laughs> no, the point I'm, I'm making is they yeah. they're beating each other. They're eating each other, beating each other up. I and they're beating know, each other. <laughs> they're be eating and beating each other up. <laughs> but, 
<laughs> oh, gotta hand it and to him. And this TV, this this podcast has completely hey, fallen got, off the rails. Gotta hand it to him, though, right? So. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Uh, but no, seriously though, this is you know what Mississippi State could do when they get their their pass game going. They could be they can hang with pretty much anybody in the country. Maybe say for Georgia and Alabama, but. Yeah. You know, they, you know, their quarterback, Will Rogers, had a big game in this game. I think he threw for over 400 yards. He just, you know, big game. And, you know, Mississippi State's bowl eligible as well, beating, you know, a top 20 Auburn team who, who is the, who is the epitome of a roller coaster team? Oh, yeah. Yeah. They, I think we even talked about this, that they've got the, the, uh, the Pitsies this year. So mm-hmm. anyway, number 13, Baylor with a huge win over number eight, Oklahoma. Talking about a team that's been like all over the place. This season, Oklahoma, uh, what is happening there? And the <laughs> man, you look at the fan comments, the just it's crazy stuff. 13 Baylor 27, number eight Oklahoma 14. Hey, yeah. Spencer, Spencer Rattler, <laughs> yes. I can't lay down, but uh, because I'm sitting in a chair, but this would be the Undertaker gift, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yes. <laughs> Oh, yeah. Hey, well, you know, Caleb Williams was struggled in this game and he was benched for Rattler, as, as Jim mentioned. Um, and but they were, you know, they couldn't really stop Baylor's defense. And you know, obviously, Dave Aranda is their head coach. He's a, he has a big defensive background and, you know, they he had a great game plan for them. And, you know, yeah, Caleb made Caleb Williams struggle in this game. And, you know, Baylor, like I said, you said that they're number 13 in the, in the player rankings, they could slide up, you know, at least to a spot or two after yeah. after this performance. Could be ten. Could be ten. Yeah. And you know, we've we've seen Oklahoma, you know, throughout the season, they've been in position to get bit, uh, but they've just, but they've been able to escape those clutches, but not so much yesterday. Yeah, unlike uh, there's there's so many Joe Rogan jokes I want to throw out okay. there because I'm going <laughs> to stop all in my head. No, no puns intended. I was uh, gonna num- say number fifteen, Ole Miss, uh, over number eleven, Texas A and M. Oh my gosh! Yeah, again, the 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 cannibalistic nature of this conference. Twenty nine nineteen final score. Uh, just when you think Jimbo's got something going on. Yep, just went out. He got flat out coached by uh, by Lane Kiffin in that game. I mean. I mean, we know Lane Kiffin is an offensive coach, and he put up over 500 yards on that Texas A&M defense. Okay. You know, they only scored 29 points, but you know they were they were good in this game. We know that on a given week, Ole Miss can you know hang with everyone, but save three to five teams. That's feels like a lot of the SEC, to be honest with you. But <laughs> um, pretty much, but you know, Ole, Ole Miss can can play. I mean, they can score with pretty much anybody. Um, you know, another big win there. They say they're eight and two on the year. And, you know, just like Baylor, they're going to be climbing in the rankings a little bit. Yep. Uh, that's a uh, probably taking over Baylor spot or 12, one or the other. Mm-hmm. I'll say <clears throat> that's all coming out later. So we'll find out. Let's get into ACC football. We had a, a Thursday night game. We're going to have another this week. Um, Pitt over UNC. This game intrigued me. Um, I, I I just wasn't really sure where this thing was going to finally uh, peel out. It, it was 
so it kept me. It kept me through the game. And I, I, I kept waiting for something to tell me, like a gut feel, that one of these teams was going to win. I never had it. I never had it with either one of them, which to me tells me that this was an excellent matchup and that the, they were both battling. And I think they delivered uh, 30-23 to 23 pit with a big win um, over, well, an important win. Not big. Important win over North Carolina. An important win because it keeps them in first place in the Coastal Division uh, by one game over Virginia. Um, really, the story of this game was in the beginning. Pitt got all 17 nothing in this game. And they, they just overwhelmed the Tar Heels. But eventually, they just chipped away, chipped away, chipped away. And next thing you know, they tied it you know, in the fourth quarter. But uh, once overtime came, you know, leave it to Kenny Pickett to do to do the work. And you know, he had a big game, 346 yards, three touchdowns in this game. Um, you know, Sam Howell you know, had a decent game through the air, couldn't, didn't run it very well. But yeah. um, I'd say they've, you know, Pitt, you know, proven they can they can hang with just about with just about everybody, um, at least in the ACC. But uh you know, they, you know, they have a huge game coming up against Virginia and we'll get into the Virginia side of that in a little bit, but you know, huge win for Pitt and it, kind of, and it does eliminate UNC from the coastal division race, which, you know, I think a lot of people are going to look at this as a disappointing season. And you, I would, I would understand it and probably agree with it, but this is where at the same time, we probably should have tempered our expectations to begin with. Agreed. Um, <clears throat> We get into Saturday action now. Louisville rolling to a 41-3 win over Syracuse. Um, I think that I had shared that I got torched on all my picks this week. Mm -hmm. or pretty close. Uh, this is one of those games I expected to be a heck of a lot closer, and I thought maybe in some ways it could have been a an upset for Syracuse, but a 41-3 shellacking at the hands of Louisville. Is, is Louisville coming together? at the right time of the season. It feels like it doesn't it, especially after that performance. And, you know, I would not have, you know, going before that game, I would certainly would not have faulted you for wanting to take Syracuse in that game. Cause you know, look at the matchup, you know, Louisville's not exactly a great defense and you figure Syracuse could run the football all over them, but you know, really only three and a half yards of carry. That's not really going to do, do it. Um, and no. only 184 total yards. That's, that's not going to do it, but and you say the story of the game was Louisville. Um, just excellent effort all around, offensively, defensively. They got out uh, right away. They, you know, scored 14 points in the first quarter. They were up 35 to three at halftime, and yeah, they basically just messed around in the second half and got a couple of field goals. But yeah, Louisville still, you know, definitely both these teams still looking at you know po a possible bowl bid. Um, I think Louisville is now up to five wins, if I'm not mistaken. I think so. And, and, you know, I think, you know, next week will probably be their best shot to win. I know they close the season with Kentucky, and I'm not sure they can. I guess it depends on which version of Kentucky shows up. Or which version of Louisville shows up. <laughs> well, if this version of Louisville shows up, they're winning. Yeah. There's no doubt about that. I, th I think that they have an opportunity to knock off Kentucky this season. Uh, Kentucky has been on this downward slide as of late, and I, I can't put my finger on it. I don't know what's going on there, but – Man, they they had this upward trajectory that was amazing, 
And then all of a sudden it was like somebody threw the light switch or turned the power off or whatever. And it was like, boom, they have been tumbling. So yeah, crazy, isn't it? Um, this is a game that, let me just say, I, I hate, this is an sec thing to do. I hate when you take these type of games and you put them at the end of your season. Um, I, Clemson 44, UConn 7. I, I have all the sympathy in the world for UConn. Uh, and I, I have a feeling they're probably going to turn things around, but it's going to take a couple years to do it. If they're committed, they can, they can make it happen. But for Clemson to schedule UConn at this time of the season, why? why? Well, let me go back go backwards for a second. Sure. Um, Louisville um, plays Duke next week. So, yeah, we could pretty much lock up all eligibility for them. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, for this game, yeah, I don't I don't know. I, it, it, and the weird thing is, is, you know, there's it's not like, you know, they play Clemson is playing uh, SEC, you know, a, the, the big rivalry game next week, like SEC schools, they play Wake Forest. I mean, it's a huge game. Yeah, definitely. Right. So, but, you know, usually that's next week's when they play the, the Patsies. <laughs> um, but, you know, the funny thing is, this is like the most uninspiring 44 to seven score I've ever seen. Cause I mean, the offense wasn't great. I no. mean, DJ Oyangale completed less than 50% of his passes. They ran for three yards to carry. Um, yeah, it was, they, UConn took the opening kickback for a touchdown, but had 99 total yards for the game. Um, but I mean, it was all about the defense, obviously, because we know, we know Clemson's defense is good, but whew, that was, a, a, a you know, it was, you know, it wasn't even a neck crack game because it was just a game. <laughs> You knew, yeah. you knew, and you knew Clemson was going to win, but it was just a matter of by how much. Yeah. Let's move on. <laughs> I yeah. Just, I hate talking about games like that. It's not, it's not a game. It's really not. It's, it's yeah. on, on your schedule. You got to win. So what? Um, <clears throat> and it was uninspiring. Yeah. Okay. So let's talk about an inspiring game. This next game, uh, in-state rivalry. And has been going on for years and years and years. This is this is like serious stuff. And the trash talk before, during, and even after this game is staggering. But it's what you expect out of Florida State and Miami. You know, mm-hmm. uh, what a a crazy game. And our buddy Chris Bond. Um, he said he was bailing on this game because he, he was just, you know, Mr. Optimist, Mr. Debbie Downer, uh, thought that it was all over for the Knowles. Um, Florida State pulls out a 31-28 win over Miami, uh, and there's the immediate call for the head of Manny Diaz by Miami fans. Go figure. Well, that's that's every loss. Let's be real. It's every um, week, whether they win or lose. Yeah. <laughs> Jeez. Well, we went from an uninspiring game to a very inspiring game, as you oh. mentioned, Jim. I mean, this was like uh, this was a great game, just because it was, 
you know, the, because they had a great ending pretty much, but, you know, go, do you remember back at the beginning when we talked about the UNC pick game and how the beginning of the game kind of told the story and really the, the beginning of this game told the story too, because Florida state got out in front 14, nothing because they forced turnovers, um, forced uh, some picks by Tyler Van Dyke. They had, a, they recovered a fumble, um, really there was, it was kind of one-sided for a little bit, but then Miami kind of woke up in the second half and actually had the lead, uh, go at 28 to 23, uh, late in the game. But then, um, Florida state converted a fourth and 14 got down to the Miami one where they scored a few plays later and, uh, eventually held on for the win, but that was a huge performance by Jordan Travis. And we know him as a a runner, but his passing in this game, I mean, 274 yards passing in this game, including that huge throw, that was probably the best passing game of his career in a game. He absolutely needed it. Um, you know, we, we've talked about, you know, Florida state's, you know, struggles this season, got out of the gate slow, Owen four, then won three in a row, then lost two more and, you know, got a, got the big win yesterday. They're four and six on the year, still, you know, outside shot of a bowl, but they have to play BC and Florida. Um, BC is starting to play. I mean, I mean, it's hard to judge off of yesterday because, you know, but BC's, you know, a good team and Florida, well, they celebrated a game in which they allowed 52 points to sit to an FCS school. So mm-hmm. that tells you where, the, where that program's at right now. But again, big, big win for the Knowles, you know, Miami. Uh, this is, you know, Tyler Van Dyke played a little bit like a freshman in this game, you know, made, made some great throws, but he also made some questionable throws. And yep. those are the kind of things you got to deal with as a freshman, to be honest with you. Yeah. Well, you know, I think he's a great quarterback in the making. Yeah. Really yeah, do. and and we've said that about feels like every Miami quarterback for the past fifteen years. But yes, it does. Yeah, and, <laughs> but I I actually do think there's something there with with him. Yeah, yeah, I I do too. I just there's now I talked about my gut earlier with him. You know, first of all, the the when he started out with the mouthiness of we're you know we're going to do this we're going to do that I'm going like okay, <laughs> you know. Uh, the, the old saying of uh, don't let your mouth uh, write a check that your butt can't ch- uh, cash. So uh, I'm thinking, okay, dude, don't do that or it could come back to bite you. Well, he delivered and he has delivered. And um, I think that I think that the adrenaline rush that he had on the first couple of games is now sort of coming into this awareness of, of, okay, the game is speeding up because I'm telling you what, Florida State was coming. They were coming all game after him, and they rattled him. Now, that's the game you're going to have to get used to. And if you're going to move into the NFL, that's it's going to be times 10. Mm-hmm. Um, so slow up that mental clock and you'll be fine. Um, I, 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 I'm still not on board with anybody calling for Diaz to be fired. I, I think that if you look at, at the slow, it, it's a slow progression. And I know that drives people crazy, but it, it's like you've got to give people time to build programs. It just doesn't happen overnight like it mm-hmm. used to. Your daddy's college football no longer exists. 
Okay. It's possible that the emergence of Van Dyke probably brought bought Diaz another year. I hope so. I I want to I want to see Diaz do well. I think he's got the makings there of of making truly bringing um, the U around the corner. Now I'm not prepared to say they're back next year or the year after, but I definitely think that they're moving in the right direction. And Miami fans can complain about that all they want, and they can call me an idiot all they want. Probably do. That's okay. Feel free. Uh, I'll return the favor. You're an idiot for not giving the man an opportunity to build the team. Let him build it. He's had a, a I mean, he was down, that team was in a deep, dark hole, and it needed to be lifted up out of that, and it has to be rebuilt. It takes time doesn't happen immediately. Now, it can, but you have to have patience. And you have to allow somebody the time to do it. That's what I think needs to happen there. Um, good game. I, 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 I mean, I, I, I love that. Uh, of course, that, that kept us all right there watching mm-hmm. until the last moment. Every game that you watch, to be quite frank, don't don't – don't depart until the clock is is reading all zeros, mm-hmm. because you never know what's going to happen, ever, and that's especially true in basketball. Mm-hmm. Don't go to your car before the game's over. <laughs> you know, I was just this is kind of off topic, and I was just thinking about it. You know, there was another upsie. It wasn't a ranked team so much as uh, it was just you know the big bad wolf getting taken down by the three little pigs. Kansas beating Texas. Oh yeah, <laughs> yes, <laughs> yeah, yeah. That was uh, that was the uh, that was quite a that was some game. I mean, <laughs> I yeah. ended up watching watching the end of that game after the the Virginia game. Yes, <laughs> we both just got fifteen yard penalties for that, but who cares? <laughs> and my no, I'm not do that. Uh, <clears throat> Two fingers. Which ones doesn't belong? <laughs> there you go. Oh, Mr. Ref. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Uh, that was a that was a good game too. That mm-hmm. uh, that uh, that ending was just crazy. Mm. Mm-hmm. All right. Let's uh, let's move on to our next ACC game. This was insane. How this this is a reason why you don't leave games just because your your team is losing or whatever. You don't leave. Boston College, 41, Georgia Tech, 30. Now, how many points did Boston College put up on the board in the second half? Uh, 13. Mm-hmm. It was 13-9. They outscored them uh, in the second half. But it was you know, all 13 points came in the fourth quarter. But um, I'm going to say it was back and forth the whole way. Um, That's right. Yeah, it was cl- it was close. I mean, that that's what you're saying. It, it was close until like the final like couple of minutes uh, of the game. Um, even though Boston College had over 160 yards of offense more than Georgia Tech, but um, the you know they sacked Georgia Tech sacked Rakovic three times in this game and kept them, you know, somewhat in a you know kept that helped keep the game close. Um, what the running game obviously did too, because between Jameer Gibbs and Jordan, they actually started Jordan Yates in this game. Um, I think, uh, Sims is injured again. I, 
I was kind of out of the loop yesterday, so I didn't get caught over everything, but they ran for 213 yards as a team averaging five yards per carry. Um, Yates, you know, he's not, he's not as good of a passer as Sims is. He threw for 126 yards, but, you know, Boston college, this looked more like the Phil Jakovic we, we know, um, threw for the 310 and two touchdowns ran for three. Uh, so five total touchdowns for Jakovic on the ground. Pat Garwa had over a hundred yards rushing. You're finally starting to see an emergence of a running game for the Eagles and just in time really, because they're, they're starting to show a lot i mean like i said they play florida state next week that's going to be a big game um should be say should be a fun game as much as the records may not dictate it um but you know we've seen the emergence of florida state at four and six boston college i believe they're bowl eligible now um so you know big you know that's going to be a big game and we say Djokovic has you know starting to play like what we thought they would be in, you know, Boston College is rounding into that form of the team we thought they'd be in the in the preseason before he got hurt. Mm-hmm. Um, but as you mentioned for Georgia Tech, I mean, just another L for Jeff Collins. And it's, like you say, he's probably going to go into 2022 in the hot seat because this is, it feels like they're just not improving at this point. Yeah. I, I would say that, that being on a warm seat is... Yeah. I think that's fair going into 2022. I mean, there's yeah. expectations. If I'm if I'm Jeff Collins, I, I at least looked into making a change at probably defensive coordinator because I think the offense is fine. Yeah. Yeah. Well, we'll see what happens, right? We've got a couple months to go before those changes. Yeah. Happen. So. A month or so from yeah, today? Um, yeah. Yeah. Maybe a I'm month. looking at the right around the day the, of Justin Fuente's buyout from today. It's like a, a week, a month from tomorrow. Merry Christmas. Yep. <laughs> Merry Christmas. You're fired. <laughs> Thanks there, Scrooge. Yeah. Um, all right. Virginia Tech. Uh, oof. I, 48 to 17. Doesn't tell me a lot uh, mm-hmm. other than the Hokies won a game. Yeah. Duke lost a game. Um, yeah. Yeah, I mean, I'm saying there's, there's really not a whole lot into this game. I mean, uh, Duke uh, did not have Gunnar Holmberg in this game. He was out with an injury. So they went with two different quarterbacks. Neither of them were great. Um, but they, they ran the ball well because, you know, that's the strength of their team. And it wasn't even really Mateo Durant. He only averaged three yards per carry in this game. It was Jordan Moore, the freshman, had 113 yards uh, on the ground and a touchdown. Uh, but, you know, it was all about Virginia Tech's rushing attack. They ran for 297 yards, averaging over seven yards per carry. Reem Blackshear had 100 yards rushing. It was just, it was a pretty lopsided affair. And, you know, like mm-hmm. I say, we're just... It's not looking very good for Duke. Virginia Tech still on the you know on the cusp of a bowl. Uh, they have two game two games left. Uh, both you know they're going to be tough games for sure. Um, and obviously they close the season with Virginia, but um, in between then the Hokies have another tough uh, contest. And if I could ha- pull it up right, uh, it's at Miami. So they might be an underdog in that game. So, you know, sitting at five and five, they need one more win for bowl eligibility. And, you know, we don't you know, say at Miami is going to be tough and Virginia. Well, we'll wait and see on that one. All right. Which no, I didn't think I would be saying, you know, even last week. Yeah. Okay. Let's, let's, uh, let's go on to this next game. 
Um, Notre Dame over UVA, 28-3. There's there's so many woulda, shoulda, couldas scenarios here. And, you know, we can talk about, well, we would have done better if we'd had Brendan Armstrong, blah, 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 blah. Okay, well, you you didn't. And it – but, you know, one thing I did take away from this game, Hmm. um, especially in the second half, some adjustments made, and I thought the defense is is looking a lot better for UVA. Uh, Notre Dame still does not impress me as being a team that ought to be in the top ten. I just I, I don't get it. I, I really don't. I mean, they're they're good. I think they ought to be maybe top fifteen, but ten number uh, they're number nine. Uh, and probably will move up a spot. <laughs> I, I'd probably. They probably. Yeah, they'd probably be eight or maybe seven. Um, you know, they've won games. I mean, that's that's all that matters, really. Yep. You, you win games. You come through. You deliver. That's what people look at in mm-hmm. the result. Um, and there are only blemishes to a team a team ranked ahead of them. Exactly. I'm still not sold. <laughs> yeah, I know. Sorry. I hear. No, I'm just saying. Yeah. But we were talking about their resume. Yeah, there. I mean, it didn't. It doesn't look as strong as it did. You know. You know when we when the season started, but you know they're they're winning. That's all you can do. That's right. Um, you know, you're you can't control how you know your team the teams on your schedule being you know suddenly being bad or mediocre. Um, and obviously. Yeah, um, Brennan Armstrong out for this game with a rib injury. I'm not fully convinced he's going to be able to play next week against uh, Pitt. Um, I'm, I, I just not. I know I'm just I'm kind of taking a wait and see approach with that. Um, as far as you know, getting the star Jay Wolfolk in his first game, I think it was the first freshman, true freshman at Virginia to start since basically when Star Wars Episode Four came out in 1977. Yeah. yeah. So I hadn't even been born yet. That's how that's how long ago it was. But I thought he he played like somebody making his first career start. Sure. He made some really nice throws, but he also made the kind of throws someone making their first start will make. That's right. That's right. What I call and what you and I would like to call teachable moments. And he learned, I think. Yep. I, I think he I, I could see a progression. Yeah. He did play a little bit better in the second half, but I also don't think the play calling helped them necessarily at times. Uh, and I, yeah, I think, I think he was put in situations that yeah. he shouldn't have been. And I, and I just looked at the very first play of the game uh, on offense was a direct snap to Keaton Thompson where, I mean, and, and I love Keaton Thompson, but that's not what I would have called on the first play of the game. I would have done like no. basically their second down play, which was like a quick pass to Billy Kemp. That's what I would have gone on first down. And then maybe try to set set up something from there. But I think the, the speaking of Thompson, he did ha, did have a uh, nice receiving game. He was pretty much <laughs> he had half of uh, of Wolfolk's uh, completions. He had nine catches and 110 yards in this game. So obviously they have a rapport. Um, talked about Notre Dame. Let me go to them for a second. I really thought they kind of went to a vanilla game plan in the second half because Virginia really showed no no proof that they could really score. So they, were, they didn't really need to do much, but I do think Virginia defense was a little bit better. I thought the scheme was better, but what's plagued them all season? Tackling. 
And I even tweeted this out during the game last night where if I if I had took a drink for every time there was a missed tackle, I'd be pretty damn wasted. But luckily I didn't drink during the game. So (laughs) or you wouldn't be here right now. (laughs) Yeah, uh, the motion and this was uh, this is the video format, but the uh, motion you made. Yeah, that was definitely what it felt like. And even something um, uh, me and our recent guest, Jackie Franchuli, uh, were talking about during the game last night, too wrap up yeah i i i have to i have to go back to uh little league football ankle biters or whatever you want to call them um they don't teach kids how to tackle anymore it's you know they you you get kids out there and it's all about grabbing well i'm sorry when you have somebody who's 200 plus pounds and six foot two coming at you full speed He's gonna rip your arms out of the sockets, man. You can't, you can't arm tackle people. Come on, what are you nuts? And you see all these these um, these plays over tons of games where people's jerseys are being ripped apart because that's how strong that running back is. Uh-huh. Somebody gets a hold of the jersey and that back just keeps going. And the yep. next thing you see is this stretch out and then it rips. And I'm going like, dude. That should I think, teach you right there. And I actually saw uh, one of Billy Kemp's receptions yep. uh, last night. I think it was his the the second down play I was telling you about. Uh, going. I think he caught a pass and like the Notre Dame guy just held on to his jersey and it looked like he was going to rip it off. He got five yards. Yep. I mean, it kept stre- he just like kept stretching the jersey out or whatever yep. it was he got yep. a hold of. And he got five yep. yards after that. He was pulling the guy. It was like dog sledding, man. I mean, come right. on crazy yeah learn how to tackle you know basics it's the basics and coaches who are out there who who have the the youngins teach them how to tackle teach them how to tackle don't be afraid you know get your shoulder down not your head get your shoulder get your shoulder into it and then wrap your arms around grab a hold and don't let go um you want to you want to be able to put them down on the ground simple as that we 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 haven't taught that for a long time. And I have seen that you see it in the pros you see in, and it's a result of this, just what I'm speaking of. They haven't been teaching that properly. And you see pros trying to, to arm tackle people. Really? All right. And our final game of the night, this was a, this was another barn burner. And let me tell you something, these two teams being ranked where they are nationally, they deserve to be there. Because both of these teams um, are are awesome and have two of the best quarterbacks um, that you could ask for. I mean, this this league is just chock full of some of the best quarterbacks in college football. Mm-hmm. I, there's no ifs, ands, and buts about it, man. Um, yeah. And, you know, the funny, sorry to interrupt, but, you know, that that's a great point because, you know, going into the season, you know, we, Sam Howell was a good quarterback. We expected DJ Uyangalele to be good, but mm-hmm. he hasn't been good. But then you've seen all these other quarterbacks step up, you know, Kenny Pickett, Brennan Armstrong, the two quarterbacks in this game, Sam Hartman and Devin Leary, mm-hmm. seen the emergence of Tyler Van Dyke. Um, you know, it, it's really, it's amazing how much the, the crop of quarterbacks has grown this season. I they, they're awesome. They're just awesome, man. Um, Wake Forest, 45 to 42 over NC State. Mm-hmm. Great game. And mm-hmm. 
I loved every moment that I could catch of this game. I especially like the end uh, when on the huddle on the ACC network um, where they interviewed um, Sam and what what a nice guy, what a nice guy. Mm-hmm. He's he, you know, if the, if that guy doesn't get picked, uh, yay, uh, doesn't get picked reasonably in the NFL draft, it just it, it's going to be mind boggling. He is a playmaker, and uh, again, as Will mentioned earlier. Um, if you watch the video version of this, you can be introduced to his faithful companion, Martin, who is now sitting mm-hmm. on his lap. Yep. The, you know, Devin Leary, you talked, you know, talked about the, the great quarterbacks. Devin Leary had over 400 yards in this game and, and kind of a losing effort, um, 408 yards, four touchdowns. And it's amazing how like all of a sudden NC stayed, you know, we went into the season thinking, oh, they'd be you know, the best rushing team in the league. And they actually had the lowest yards per game in the league. And they only ran for 74 yards in this game, which is really surprising with the two running backs they had. But special teams really carried them in this game. Uh, they had a the kick return touchdown to open the second second half by Bam Knight. And he had a, another one that was in the second quarter that set up a touchdown as he took it deep in, in the wake territory. Um, Mecca Amizi in this game, 10 catches, 133 yards in the, in this game, a big, a big game for him. Hartman at 290, but he was 20 of 47 passing that's and through three picks. So that that's, he's hit a little bit of a rough stretch because he had a little bit of a rough game against North Carolina, um, struggled, you know, obviously in this game in terms of completions, but you know, they, and they really didn't have a great rushing attack. They only averaged 2.6 yards per carry or yeah, on, on that, but. You know, NC State had 14 penalties in this game, and that's that can be a big, big uh, problem when you have that many penalties and and whatnot. But yeah, big win for Wake after the the loss last week. Um, they definitely needed a rebound game, and they definitely got it here. Thanks for joining us on ACC Nation. Follow us by subscribing on your favorite podcast or streaming radio platform and on YouTube. We'd appreciate a five-star rating while you're there. Visit our homepage at accnation.net and support us via PayPal. Keep up with the latest by following us on Google News. You can find ACC Nation on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, LinkedIn, Reddit, and Pinterest. Follow Will at WillsWorldMN, and I'm at ACC The Q. Cheers! Score.